0: in apex north carolina stay tuned at the end of the program we will give you information on how to contact us so be sure to have a pen and paper ready today pastor rodney will be teaching a special topical study of the holy spirit so grab your bibles and follow along now with today's teaching here's pastor rodney
1: listen it might be clear to us that jesus is the head of the body but do you know that this was not always in church history, was not always clear, was not always a known fact in church history. I was doing some reading, actually some extensive reading, because I love church history. I love church history. So I'm doing some extensive reading for several hours just today, actually, um, on church history. Does the name John Huss sound familiar to you? John Huss? John Huss, he was a reformer and a Bible teacher. John Huss, Uh, was a contemporary. Anybody know who John Huss was a contemporary of? Anybody know? Martin Luther. Martin Luther, the great reformer. Martin Luther, the father of the Reformation movement. Well, John Huss and Martin Luther came against the papacy. Now, when you hear the word papacy, you want to think of the Catholic Church or you want to think of um, the Pope the Pope or the Catholic Church. John Huss decided at an early age to become a priest. He was very smart. He got his bachelor's and then his master's degree and then his doctorate and then he was ordained in 1401. He preached at Bethlehem Chapel in Prague and the church seated 3,000 people and he preached, watch this, in a language that people could understand. That's big. He preached in a language that people could understand, not Latin. Well, during the time of Huss, the official position of the church was that, was that the true church consisted of only the pope, the cardinal, the bishops and the priests. Common lay people like us were not allowed to read and understand or teach the Bible. John Huss began to preach the Bible was the final authority and that the Bible was a higher authority than the pope. Well, needless to say, that didn't go over well. He was later forbidden to preach. Later, John Huss read in the public square in Prague that the church was made up of all believers of all ages, of all races. And Huss preached uh, that the pope was a reprobate and the leadership was a reprobate and disqualified from leadership. He argued that Christ alone is the head of the church and not the pope, quote, who through ignorance and love of money is corrupt. He said to rebel against the Pope was to obey Christ. Well, they burned him at the stake for that comment. Listen, I could go on and on in the interest of time. I won't, but I could go on and on and on about church history. Paul simply says and makes it clear that Christ is the head of the church. Christ is the head of the church, not the pastor. Somebody say amen. Jesus Christ, I'll wait while you clap your hands. Yes, I will. Christ is the head of the church, not the pastor. Christ is the head of the church, and we are the body. Y'all, listen to me. I'm trying to teach you something. We are the body. And as the body, we receive our source of strength from the head. We receive wisdom and all instruction and all of our resources from the head, which is Christ. If we detach the head, we're dead because the head is the life. The head gives brain power. The head is energy and instruction. Listen, you can cut off your arm and your hand and still have life, but if you cut off the head, life is gone. And the same is true for Christ. Well, let's look at these last two gifts and then we'll be done today. In verse 28, I want you to look at the gift of helps and the gift of administrations. We haven't covered those two. Uh, Let's first of all cover the gift of administration definition. The gift of administration is the God-given capacity to organize and administer with efficiency and spirituality, underline that, efficiency and spirituality, then not only is the project brought to a satisfactory conclusion, but it's done harmoniously and with evident blessing. The gift of administration is a God-given capacity to organize and administer with efficiency and spirituality, That not only is the project brought to satisfactory conclusion, but it's done harmoniously and with evident blessing. The gift of administration is also mentioned in the book of Romans, and we'll get there, uh, chapter 12, verse 8. Romans chapter 12, verse 8 says, he who leads or leads with diligence, that's the gift of administration. Administration is also the gift of leading or the gift of leadership. The word administration, got a pen? It means to steer. To direct, to pilot, to govern. Steer, direct, pilot, or govern. Again, we're talking about supernatural spiritual gifts, not natural talents. And might I remind you without boring you the difference between spiritual gifts and natural talents. What is the difference between spiritual gifts and natural talents? It's as simple as this. Who owns the results? Who owns the results? Natural talents means you are good at just what you do and you own the results. Spiritual gifts means your ability is empowered by the Holy Spirit. A spiritual gift is given by the power of the most high God. Is anybody listening? A spiritual gift, God owns the results. And when you're done, to God be the glory, great things he has done. That's a spiritual gift. I'll wait while you clap your hands. The gift of administration It's the gift of leadership. It's the ability to organize, administrate, and make things happen. If you have the gift of administration, you like to cover details. I don't enjoy details. My staff will tell you. I've had the same staff. Now, many of my staff members have been on staff for well more than 10 years. Uh, You know, maybe, you know, 8, 10, 12, 15. Michelle's been on staff 17, 18, uh, 19. 20. (laughs) And um, I don't like details. I I know I don't have this gift. You want me to tell you something spiritual? Know what your gifts are not. (laughs) Write that down. Know, Know what your gifts are not. That is just as spiritual as knowing what your gifts are. I know my gift is not administration. I don't like details. People who have the gift of administration, they love the details. They enjoy getting people together and organizing and mobilizing. The person with the gift of administration just knows how to organize things. And this is a very important gift because obviously whoever had this gift at the Calvary Chapel in Corinth was not exercising this gift because this church was out of order. And that's why Paul's writing the book. He, the whole reason why 1 Corinthians learned something, the whole reason why 1 Corinthians is written is because of order. The church was out of order. There was sexual immorality in the church and people were drinking in, in the church and, and paganism in the church and the misuse and abuse and ignorance and lack of understanding concerning the spiritual gifts was rampant in the church. And Paul takes one, two, three chapters to help explain the gifts of the spirit and how they operate and what they should look like in the corporate assembly. Someone wasn't using the gift that God had given them, the gift of administration, because God equips the church with every gift that we need. We lack nothing. Now, is everybody using the gift that God has given them? Well, maybe not. But God has given them. And we lack nothing in this church. And this church, someone wasn't using the gift of administration that God had given them. We see the gift of administration in Acts chapter 6. As a matter of fact, I want you to go there with me. Saints, come on, y'all go there with me. Turn pages quickly. Acts chapter 6. And keep your finger on chapter 12 because we're coming back. Look at Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. Y'all learn anything out of this? Acts chapter 6. Look at, look at it. And we're just going to peruse it. We, we can't read it. We don't have time to read it. But we see the gift of administration in the book of Acts. Now, in one corner, we have the Hebrew nationals. And we're not talking about hot dogs. We're talking about Jewish women. And in the other corner, we have the Hellenists, Greek-speaking Jews who immigrated to Jerusalem. The Hellenists, here was the problem in chapter 6. The Hellenist women were saying that there was favoritism in the church, in the, in the church's welfare program, and that they were being neglected. Now, here's the gift of administration. The 12 got together and they said, it's not good for us to leave the word of God and deal. Look, um... Look at verse 2 and look at verse 3. It's not good for us to leave the word of God and deal with this petty stuff. Look at verse 4. But we will give ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word of God. In other words, we're not going to neglect doing what we're called to do, to do that which we are not called to do. And the seven men had, the, the, the they chose men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wise. And when the gift of administration is operating rightly, look at verse 4 five, the beginning of verse five, and the saying, what? Pleased the whole multitude. You see, when it's operating rightly, the saying pleased everyone. Now, I want to point out something, listen, that I pointed out in the men's ministry, and fellas, uh, perhaps you remember, you do want to take note as you read Acts chapter six, that the in Acts is the first church, and the first church um um, the first problems in the first church involved women. Amen. Could I get security right up here with me right here? In- in- involved women, and 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 now now fellas, now y'all know when we okay. For those of you that are new, we have a very strong men's ministry here. And when I preach this in men's ministry, y'all remember, when I brought up this fact, the men went out the roof. They were like, yeah, yeah, first church, problems, women, yeah, yeah. Now I bring it up and y'all go, (laughs) because your wife's sitting there now. She's looking at you like, say something, say something, go ahead and say something first problems in the first church was dealing with women. Fellas, I have encouraged you, don't get in the middle of women scrapping. Amen. Don't get involved with women's stuff. Fellas, here's a memory verse for you. Here's a memory. I'm gonna do this really quickly. Fellas, here's a memory verse for you. Proverbs 27, 15, 16. A nagging wife is as annoying as a constant dripping on a rainy day trying to stop her complaints. It's like trying to stop the wind or hold something with greasy hands. Security. (laughs) The person with the gift of administration is able to visualize and see the end product and the final results. The person with the gift of administration can see the ultimate goal. The person with the gift of administration loves to tell people what to do in a good way. They set their focus on something and they see all the resources and they see all the people who they can begin to put in place to do the work. They know what job needs to be done and they identify who can do it. Now, as I mentioned to you, I don't have this gift. I, I, I don't have this gift. You know, what? I, I, I have the gift of wisdom and vision. Well, there is no gift of vision, but I got it. <laughs> I mean, I, I wake up, I wake up. My, people know me now, I wake up, I go, you know what? We ought to do this. Let's do this, and let's do this, and let's do this. And then after we do that, then we need to do this, and we need to do that. Now, the person with the gift of administration would say, that sounds like a great idea, pastor. That sounds like you are being totally led by the Lord. Although, We have to come up with a strategy or a plan or some kind of protocol or procedure in how we're going to get that thing done. It's a great thing to do it, but let the person with the gift of administration says, let's figure out a way to get that thing done. Now, again, we're talking about spiritual supernatural gifts. And might I add this, the person with a gift, any gift from the Spirit, is first and foremost Spirit-filled. Somebody say amen. They're walking in the spirit. They're receiving revelation from the spirit of God. And one key thing about someone with spiritual giftings, you'll notice this, a sensitivity to the spirit. You'll notice there's a joy and a sense of fulfillment while they're using their gift. When you see someone complaining while they're doing something for the Lord, that's not gifting. That's not gifting. You know, why I get stuck with this? Well, Pastor Roddy asked me to do this, and now I'm doing it. Rasm, tasm, rasm, tasm, rasm, tasm. You know you're mad when you start going, rasm, tasm, tasm, That's not the Lord. That's not the Lord. See, when when God has called you to do something and you're doing something for the kingdom of God, there's a deep abiding peace and a voice from the Holy Spirit that says, this is right. You are right where I want you to be. Anything you do for the Spirit, there's going to be a joy. Why? Because Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 tells us, but the fruit of the Spirit, oh, it's on the screen, y'all gotta come on, read it with me. But the fruit of the Spirit is, I need everybody to read it with me, come on. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and long-suffering, kindness and goodness and faithfulness. The person using their gift will use it with love and joy and peace, and they'll be kind to people and good to people and faithful to God. Well, let's move on. The last and final gift, the gift of helps. I like to define this gift of helps as a supernatural ability from God to effectively and joyfully take the initiative to meet the practical needs of others, freeing them to fulfill their own spiritual gift. A supernatural ability from God to effectively and joyfully take the initiative to meet the practical needs of others freeing them to fulfill their own spiritual gift. The gift of helps is also the gift of ministry in Romans chapter twelve verse seven. We'll talk about that. In my opinion, this is one of the most important gifts. If we were to put the gifts in importance, there are some people who think that the gift of tongues is important. There are some people who say that, that the uh, speaking, uh, the the gift of interpretation is important, or the gift of healing is the most important. Listen, I hope that if you've learned anything from this teaching on the gift of the spirit, I pray that you have learned that there is no gift more important than another, that there is no part of the body more important than another part of the body. Now, concerning the gift of helps, let me just say, you don't need to be gifted to help. Did y'all pick that up? You don't need to be gifted to help. Help. Yeah, wait, can you vacuum the church? We need the church vacuum. Well, I don't have the gift of helps. You don't have the gift of help. You need the gift of helps to vacuum? Don't invite me to your house because you need a gift to clean up. I don't know how often that happens. You don't need a gift to help. We're talking about the gift of helps. Anybody can help. David said it like this in Psalm 8410. I love this verse. David said, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. David is saying, I would rather do the most menial job in the kingdom than the best job in the world. Somebody once said, I would rather be the poorest man in heaven than the richest man in hell. I'd rather fly coach with Jesus than first class with the devil. We can all just serve God. Somebody say amen. So the kingdom of God can advance. Remember, remember the great commission has the great commission become the great O mission. The great commission, Matthew 28, 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you and Y'all come on, read the rest with me. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. The Bible tells us to go make disciples, and that's helping. We are to help because God told us to, not because it benefits us. Listen to me. Because God told us to, not because it benefits us, and not because it benefits our ministry. Do you know that there are ministries That won't get involved in certain things because it doesn't benefit their ministry. So we're not going to go do this ministry because that's not going to really add any people to our church. That's not going to add any tithers to our church. I call it nickels and noses. Nickels and noses. It's not going to bring any people in the church. It's not going to bring any money in the church. So we don't go and do those things. Listen, we are to help whether it benefits us or not. Because Jesus told us to. When did he tell us to? He told us 2,000 years ago to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You don't do ministry because somebody can help you. Man, can one and two people say amen? amen? Amen. This Wednesday, I'm leaving for the Bahamas. And um, it's not the, like the Bahamas that you guys might be thinking Bahamas. Y'all be thinking Bahamas like the beach and the, uh, and, uh, oh, they told me last service, what's that? Um, the the, um, the uh, my, my ties. The, the beach and my, with the umbrella in it, the drinks with the, and laying back in the cabanas. With, it's not that kind of Bahamas. It's a trip that uh, there's a military base called Altec Island. And one day I was sitting at my computer and a Facebook message came through. And this lady said to me, she said, this was about now almost a year ago. She said to me, she said, Um, I just want to thank you for your ministry uh, to us here at All Tech Island. I want you to know that you're our Sunday morning podcast pastor. On this island, they don't have a pastor. They don't have a chaplain. So they listen to our sermons here in their Sunday morning services. Apparently, they have worship. I don't know if they do our worship. I think our worship's on a couple of songs. No worship? Okay, so maybe they do their own worship, and then they listen to, to they push play. And, and, and I'm, I'm their podcast pastor, and they just wanted to thank me for my ministry and so on and so forth. So I sent back, you're welcome. That's awesome. Keep listening. And then about eight months later, I get a Facebook message from the base commander, and he is inviting me to come and to preach in the chapel there to those people who um, have been listening to me for, some of them, they said, uh, two, three years. And he even said to me in the first email, he said, he said, I want you to know uh, this, this trip to Bahamas is not like what you think. There is nothing to do here. This is a, 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 a testing site. Um, some of it is top secret. I, I don't even know what all that they do, but I understand it's a testing site. And, um, so they don't, uh, they, they only have, uh, he told me, he said, we only have beach, we have beach here. So bring your swimming trunks. I said, well, good. I'll come there and work on my tan. <laughs> and, uh, cause I ain't got much work to do. Cause I woke up like this. So I said, and he said, well, you know, if you'd come... And, and, and I prayed about it and I talked to my wife about it and I said, honey, doesn't this sound like Acts chapter 16 when, when the man of Macedonia said, come over to us, come over to us. And, and we prayed about it and prayed about it. And, and, and it turns out it worked out and they sent a bunch of documents and it had to be cleared through Washington because they have to send an airplane to come and pick you up at West Palm Beach and you've got to be on the itinerary and it's a big old deal. But God opened that door. And listen, those people there, they don't have any money. They, they, they can't, they, they can't even bring me there. They can't even get the money together to even pay for my airplane plane ticket. They don't have anything. They're in the military. Now, I don't know if you've been in the military, but you know, if you've been in the military, you ain't got no money. You've been in the military, you broke. They don't have anything. And when I get there, they're not going to have an honorarium. You know, some pastors will go to a church only if the church can come up with $10,000 for an honorarium. for an honorary. I'm like, are you kidding me? You mean to tell me you'll only go preach the gospel if somebody pays you money? $20,000? Are you kidding me? Somebody give me $20,000. Man, I I need my kitchen done. (laughs) We need new counters. My kitchen's so dated, I can't stand it. We need a new, $20,000 just to come and preach something that God gave you for free? And, and you want to charge somebody for it? That doesn't make sense to me. These people have nothing to give us. They have no honorarium that they're going to give us. And, and, and I'm going with another brother because I don't want to go alone. And they have nothing to give us. You don't do ministry for, for, for what you can gain. And me, I am blessed beyond comprehension. Only, only God can do something like that and open a door like that where, where, where I would have. You know, I got 13 years in the Navy and, uh, and I got out of the Navy to come here to start this church. And I remember when I first got out of the Navy, people were saying to me, why, why are you getting out? Why don't you wait seven more years? And then you can retire and then you can go there and start the church. And you know what? honestly.